Lovely to see you all here tonight. Welcome to Cornerstone. Uh, my name's Dan and I'm the pastor here. And uh, if it's a little bit warm, my apologies, but it's your fault. Uh, if you wanted it cooler, then you shouldn't have come. So uh, if, if we can go on to the first slide, please, please, Jane. So if this is your, if this is your first Sunday here, you know, if you're a, a weekly attender or, or if you just manage to make it uh, once a year, maybe even twice, then it's, uh, it's wonderful to have you here. And, uh, and afterwards, we uh, will be having some apple cider and some more snacks. So uh, please hang around after the service. Let me um, open this uh, short message with a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you whether we realize it or not, Lord, that uh, you are a speaking God, you are a communicating God, that you have a message and that you want us to hear it. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, whatever's going on in our minds, that for this few moments we, we will be able to lay it aside and to hear you. And Lord, I pray as we listen to you that, that you would speak in a powerful way. And uh, Lord, that uh, uh, we would see that... Uh, you are, you are a good God, you are a real God, you are a living God, that you're not just a religion, Lord, but that uh, uh, you are living and that you are worthy of our worship. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, it's okay, good. So in the, in the movie, uh, The Grinch, how, how The Grinch Stole Christmas, which we're halfway through actually as a family now, we, we watched half of it, we stopped to come to church, and we're going to go back home and watch the rest of it later on. So, but in the movie, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, uh, Cindy Lou Who sings this beautiful song called Where Are You Christmas? And some of the lyrics go like this. And please sing along with me if you want. Ready? Here we go. Where are you, Christmas? Why can't I find you? Why have you gone away? Sounding beautiful. Let's hear some harmonies. Where is the laughter you used to bring me? Why can't I hear Music play. I think that's how it goes. Keep going. My world is changing. I'm rearranging. Does that? I forget this part. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll have to watch that again later, Wendy, so that uh, we know how it goes. So even though I know that uh, this is a song about Christmas. I also think it reflects how some of us feel about God, that he's maybe distant, that he's disinterested, that maybe even he's holding back barely concealed rage, that he's cold, that maybe he's rather disappointed with us. And so we ask, where are you, God? Why can't I find you? Why have you gone away? Maybe when we were younger, we had, had a childlike faith. Uh, maybe we were raised going to Sunday school. Maybe we n- know the words to songs like Jesus loves me. But as we've grown up, maybe we've moved beyond the idea of God. Except for maybe at Christmas 
another push, Easter as well. And so we borrow Cindy Lou Who's words and we say, my world is changing, I'm rearranging. Does that mean God changes too? Now we understand that we've changed, that maybe we've outgrown God. Except for moments of deep emotional trauma when we temporarily believe in him again, either to pray to him or to blame him. So except for these moments, God seems like a memory from our childhood when things were simpler, when childlike faith existed, and when the idea of God was plausible. But my question is, what if God's never gone away? What if he's awaiting your return? Now, we all have those seasonal relatives, those ones that we see maybe once a year at Christmas, or maybe it's even less regular. Maybe it's just at funerals or at weddings. And there's that kind of awkwardness because you're related to them, but you don't really know them. You may share some genes, but you have no idea what they do for fun. You can't even remember who they're in a relationship with or what they do for a living. And so you do a bit of background research on Facebook So that when you could see them next, you can pretend that you know them. So that in the midst of the conversation, you can reference random stuff that you feel you should know about them. So I'd like you to take, for example, this imaginary scenario between Michael and a cousin who hasn't seen him for years. They're at a wedding. Mike. Hey, Cousin Mickey. Actually, it's Michael. Mikey. Michael. Mike. Michael. Michael. So, how long has it actually been, buddy? Three years? Actually, it's been 17 years. No way. 17 years. So, how's uh, Sandra? You mean Sarah? Yeah, yeah. How's Sarah? Well, we actually broke up. Oh, no way. Sorry to hear that. Well, it was 15 years ago when she was my first girlfriend. (laughs) Okay. I'm married now. I've been married for nine years. I got four kids and one on the way. Sweet. So your holiday to uh, New York was good? New Brunswick, you mean? Yeah, yeah, that's right. New York, New Brunswick. Tomato, tomato. (laughs) Actually, it would be rather difficult to find two cities more different. I've really got to get glasses, eh? <laughs> so, you, so, so you climb the CN Tower? No, no, the CN Tower's in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, silly me. You're in New York, New Brunswick. New Brunswick. Anyway, good talking with you. I think I see Uncle Vern over there. You mean Uncle Victor? Right you are. Hey, Uncle Vic. Victor. Vicky. Victor, victorious, Victor, Uncle Victor, good to see you, so how's uh, Aunt Margie, she died five years ago, and cut, so let's call time on family gatherings where you pretend to know each other, wouldn't it be nicer to have family gatherings which were more like speed dating meals where you could sit with one of your relatives and actually have the freedom to say who are you where are you from what do you like 
Wouldn't it be amazing if we didn't have to all pretend to be super familiar with each other, that we didn't have to pretend that we'd given each other a single thought since we'd last met? And that's what I'm going to do today, is to give you the opportunity to get acquainted or perhaps reacquainted with God. No pressure. You don't have to pretend that you know stuff. Instead, we're going to go on a bit of a speed date with Almighty God. We're going to ask him three questions and see what answer he gives. And my hope is that for, for you is that this gives you a chance to get re-familiarized with this being that I call my God and my Savior. And I hope that this may help you recall some dimly remembered truths from your childhood. Or maybe you realize that God isn't actually who you thought he was. So let's read the Bible together. It's up on the screen. Let's uh, read this out loud. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So let's uh, start by repurposing Cindy Lou Who's question. Where are you, God? And in John chapter 1 verse 14, we're simply told that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And what this tells us is that when Jesus was born, God became a physical human being. And as I mentioned this morning, this had never happened before. This was a recreation event, God becoming flesh. God who created the entire universe contracted himself to the limitations of a human being while still remaining God. And it says that he dwelt among us. He didn't sequester himself off in a palace or in a spa or in a lonely cabin in the woods for 33 years. He dwelt among us. He rubbed shoulders with people like you and I. And while he was here, he could have taken on any profession that he wanted to. After all, he was God. He could have been a governor or a judge. He could have been a Pharisee or a politician. He could have been anything he wanted. But you know what he did? He became a blue-collar tradesman, learning the family business from Joseph, his father figure. Now today, Jesus would probably have driven around in a white van loaded with tools in the back and a couple of ladders on top. So where is God? Jesus shows us that he's right here. He's among us. Sure, Jesus has gone back up to the Father. He's now in heaven, but he sent the Holy Spirit to take over from him. And now the Holy Spirit indwells everyone who submits to God's loving rule. So when we ask, where are you, God? He responds by saying, I'm right here. I was right here with Jesus, and I can be right here with you, actually taking up residence in your life, if only you let me. So moving swiftly on, because these speed dates can't take too long. Next question is, who are you, God? And again, God gives us a simple answer. He says, you have seen my glory. And glory here means nature. So God is saying, you've seen my nature, you've seen my glory, you've seen me. I'm not distant, you see me in Jesus. So when we look at Jesus, we're actually looking at God the Father. When we hear Jesus' words, we're listening to the heart of Father God. Listen to this verse. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. And what this means is that God is a community. There's a Father and a Son and a Holy Spirit. And God is inviting us into community with him. He's offering us a seat at the table. And we know that he's glorious. We know that he is beautiful, that he's wonderful to look at. He's wonderful to be with. But how do we know this? 
Because Jesus came to show us who God is. That he's a God of love and holiness and grace and truth and righteousness and purity. So our last question flows on from the other two. Where are you, God? Who are you, God? And now, what are you like, God? And God answers with what, what are perhaps the five most important words you maybe will ever hear. Because he says this, I'm full of grace and truth. This is who God is. This, in a nutshell, is the God that we can encounter. A God who is full of truth and a God who is full of grace. Now, when I think of Christmas, one of the things I think of are gingerbread men. The smile, the little arms and legs that can be nibbled off at my leisure. The buttons, the consistency and the flavor. I love gingerbread men. They tick all of my boxes for me. But if you were to ask me to down a bag of brown sugar, do you think I would? Probably not. Or if you were to give me a spoonful of cinnamon to swallow, I wouldn't do it. In fact, people have died from doing this exact thing, from ingesting a spoonful of cinnamon because it coats the airways and it causes asphyxiation. But if you put a gingerbread man in front of me, I would gladly eat it and I'd eat another one and I'd eat another one. So even though the gingerbread man is full of sickly sweet brown sugar and potentially deadly cinnamon, yet it has the capacity to bring me joy because it contains both. Now, let that humanoid figure of the gingerbread man fade into the background and watch as Jesus, the God-man, comes into focus. You see, God didn't send Jesus just full of truth. Even though he could have, he didn't. He could have approached us as a judge. He could have brought us face to face with our darkest selves, all the pride and the rebellion and the lying and the cheating and the unfaithfulness and the open sins and the secret sins. And he could have said, here, have a look. This is what you are. You've all sinned and messed up way too much. I've had enough. Now open up and eat some truth. And God would have been justified in giving us a dose of our own medicine, in giving us a spiritual spoonful of cinnamon. But we would not have survived that encounter. And at the same time, God could have come with just grace, with just a big load of sugary love and grace and dumped it all over us. But then that would never have dealt with our sin problem. You see, if God was, came with just grace, then he would have been um, working against his own holy nature because he's perfect, he's pure, he's holy. He would have been working against his own nature and God can do anything at all in line with his character, which means God cannot do what is outside of his character, which means that God cannot come, he literally cannot come with just a huge pile of grace and allow, and allow us to stuff ourselves with it. We need truth. We need to know how bad the situation is. A doctor who puts a band-aid on a patient who should be receiving chemotherapy is not a kind medical person. But we also need grace. In the words of Jack Nicholson, we can't handle the truth. We literally can't handle the truth because the truth is hell. What we need is a God who is full of grace and full of truth. A God who can tell us that the truth is worse than we can possibly imagine. 
and a God who can tell us that the grace he offers is, is better than we can ever dream. A gingerbread man without sugar and cinnamon is not a gingerbread man. And God without grace and truth is no longer God. He's something else. And even though we'd love to create God on our own terms, that option is not on the menu. You know, the Bible's clear. It says we need sugar and cinnamon. It doesn't actually say that, but it says we do need grace and truth. It says this, for the wages of sin is death, truth, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord, grace. It, it says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, truth, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is through Jesus Christ, grace. And just like that gingerbread man brings the sugar and the cinnamon all together in a humanoid figure. So Jesus brings the grace and truth of God into a human figure. We see it in the baby in the manger, but we most see it clearly in the cross as God identifies the truth that we owe him an unimaginable debt. Someone must pay But then God, after saying that we owe him this debt, he goes and settles it himself in the most outrageous and unbelievable and grace-filled way we could even imagine by allowing his own son to stand in the gap and to take the full force of his judgment and thereby to let us completely off the hook. A clean page, a fresh slate. The browsing history is completely deleted. God says, you are guilty, truth, but I have paid grace. The truth is worse than you could imagine. The grace is more abundant than you could ever dream. And so tonight, God answers the question, where are you, God? By saying, look at Jesus. And God answers the question, who are you, God? By saying, look at Jesus. And he answers the question, what are you like, God? By saying, look at Jesus. And before you, here tonight, Stands Jesus, stands God, full of grace and truth. Not a bit of each, not 50% of each, but a whole measure of both. And the only question for you over this Christmas is, are you going to step out in faith and accept this heavenly nourishment that is much better than a gingerbread man? This, This nourishment that brings the full measure of truth and the full measure of grace in the form of a man, a man called Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so my question for you is, have you tasted? So as the worship team comes up, what I'd like is to say to you that uh, if you want to, to speak more about this, if you have more, 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 more questions, maybe tonight is not the night. Maybe it is. If so, then come grab me afterwards and, and, and we can talk about it. But if, if, if this isn't the night... But you'd like to ask more about it. Maybe you're a church person. Maybe you aren't. You know what? It doesn't matter at all because we're all the same in the Lord's eyes. But what I'd like you to do is is to come up to me and say, hey, Dan, would you give me one of of your business cards? And I'll give you one of the business cards. You'll then have all of my contact information. You can send me an email. Get me on Facebook. Send me a text or whatever it is and say, let's have a coffee. Let's let's have a meal. And, And I would love to treat you to a meal or to a coffee where we can talk more about it.